disappointed. I didn't hear any clapping. How many of you have that on your playlist? We have one. All right. Uh, today we're talking about peace and harmony, which people sing songs about, as you've just seen. This is uh, from the 70s. It's a jam. Like, we just want the world to be able to sing in, in perfect harmony. We want everyone to get along. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How, how do you actually get to the place where you can have peace and harmony uh, in your relationships. Uh, the reason we're talking about that is because we're talking about the sweet life and how do you have the good life and the life that God wants you to have? Uh, how do you find out what that is? And then once you know what it is, how do you actually go down the path to, to getting to that destination, to experiencing life uh, to its fullest? Uh, here at Church in the Valley, uh, we want to be a church that opens up the truth of the scriptures to kind of lay out what does God say about how life works? Because as we align our life with how God says it works, then life actually does go better. It goes better here and now in this life. And then also we, we get to join him in eternity as, as we've decided to, to follow him as the leader of, of our life. And so over the, the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the scriptures and kind of pinpointing our what are some really crucial things that we need to live by and we need to live for in order to experience the sweet life that God wants us to have. If you've grown up in the church, uh, you may have a lot of really valuable history of what it means to follow Christ. You may have some baggage of what that means. If you're new to Christianity, you're investigating, you're not exactly sure the kind of God uh, that Christians follow. And so our, our hope is that you get a clear picture or a clearer picture of of what God wants for us. And he, he's actually a good and gracious God. But uh, to experience peace and harmony in our relationships, uh, you've got to actually have more than a song. Uh, by singing words, you, you can't actually make anything change because we're people and we actually have to change in order for things to change. And so that's what we're kind of talking about. How do we actually become people of change to bring about the things that, that God wants uh, from us. If you missed last week, we, we talked about how the sweet life comes as we actually put other people in front of us. And you may be thinking, how can life be sweet if we let people go in front of us? And that, that's actually part of kind of the upside down counterintuitive things that you find as you learn more about God is that things that necessarily make sense to us. He usually flips. And oftentimes we think if we want the best, then we have to look out for us. If we want our goals, then we have to push for them. Uh, but what you find, according to the scriptures, is it's actually when you put others in front of you that good relationships flow. And so a lot, big part of this series is how do we have sweet relationships? Because sweet relationships actually help us to have a sweet life. If you don't have sweet relationships, it's very difficult to have a sweet life. And so we're going to continue on that today, talking about how to experience peace and harmony. I don't know about you, but every day I wake up, 
with really a goal of how can my day go as like good as possible? I get up on time. I get everything done. I need to. I get to work. Traffic's not that bad. Everyone at work, we're treating each other right. There's just kind of everyone working together. And then my days I wake up and that picture I have and that idea I've had it. Sometimes it just it doesn't happen like there's stress. I'm overwhelmed. I feel just like I've got all these things at me at once. You guys know what I'm saying, right? We have kind of what we want, the perfect picture of our day. And then we have what is we have reality. And oftentimes those two like don't don't match. And so peace and harmony is very appealing to me. And I'm sure peace and harmony is very appealing to you. But most of our days aren't full of just birds singing and people singing this track in the back of our lives. It's actually a lot of work to experience peace and harmony. So we're going to talk uh, a little bit about that. One of the things related to uh, peace and harmony is that we, we kind of have this perfect day, but you can't have a perfect day because people are not perfect. You guys come to that conclusion that you're not perfect, people aren't perfect, and therefore days aren't perfect. It's actually something you learn really early on in life. Things just don't go how we want. And when we're young, when they don't go how we want, we can throw tantrums. We can get people to really do what we want. But as we get older, we realize we, we actually can't throw tantrums and it actually look civilized. Have you ever tried to throw a tantrum as an adult? Right? I mean, you, you may try, but you don't want anyone to see. Right? That's embarrassing. But it's so easy within us. When things don't go our way. We just throw these little tantrums. People would just cooperate. They would just go along with what we want. Everything would go better. And so we're going to talk about what do we do when this peace and harmony we long for and the day that we have pictured doesn't actually uh, happen. When the peace and harmony, we're not actually singing in peace and harmony. It's like awful and no one's singing the same song. Sometimes that's how my life is. And so I want to kind of start and talk about why is it that we have conflict. And I don't think any of us would deny that conflict is real and it exists. And for most of us, we can actually experience it every day. And so I want to talk specifically, what does the scripture say about why we have conflict? And so conflict actually comes, uh, according to the scriptures, because of what's going on inside of us. And conflict is the major threat to the sweet life. We have conflict and that's reality, but conflict actually doesn't allow us to have the sweet life that we want. And so why do we have conflict? Well, in the scriptures, it talks about our desires and what's going on inside of us. And you see in James 4, it says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. If you've ever been in an argument or a conflict with somebody or a fight, or if you're an adult, you don't fight anymore. You just raise your voice, right? We're not fighting. Our voices are just raised and veins are popping out of our head because I really care, right? But if you've ever been in a fight or a quarrel, the scriptures is saying that there's stuff going on inside you that's causing that to happen. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's not like your day is going good and all of a sudden it goes bad and you're in the fight. It's you have things that you want. And the reason we have conflict is the major reason for conflict is that we have blocked goals. We have things that we want and then we relate to people and they don't cooperate with us to get us what we want. And then we get upset 
and then fights break out and quarrels break out and this fighting and the quarrels and the writer in James is mentioning mentioning murder. It's the sense of when you have just something you want so bad and you can't get it. And he's using hyperbole here, but he's saying you get to the point where you have this rage where you are going to get what you want. And oftentimes we want the sweet life and we want sweet relationships, but we're actually not. It doesn't come to kind of us in the front of our mind. We're not usually ready to look at what is it that I want that I'm not getting and how is that causing problems? But each of us have goals that we want. And oftentimes they're unspoken, but they're expectations, little things that we'd like to happen, things that we'd like people to do for us. Again, we may not have ever stated it, but people act, people respond. Our goals get blocked. Their goals get blocked and then conflict erupts. Is this like foreign? Have you guys ever experienced this? Just am I the only one? Right. You guys know what I'm talking about. This is normal. We experience this in the scriptures. This is what's happening. There's passions. There's desires. There's goals. We each have them. They get blocked. And then that's when fights break out. And so conflict is the major threat. But oftentimes it is. It just hits us out of nowhere. Recently, I went to the library and I don't know about you, but I go to the library because like nothing says peace like a library. Right. That's why you go. I mean, you you actually can't even breathe that loud in libraries because, you know, you have people everywhere. And so I'm sitting and I'm doing work and all of a sudden I hear this person that's just like playing music and like in their seat, like a few chairs down, like just jamming. It's like an elderly man, but he's like jamming to this like this song and he's just blaring it. And everyone around the library, around the section, just starts looking at each other like something's we're in the library. Someone's breaking the library code. And, you know, everyone's looking and we kind of see that there's this this man that it seems like the sound is coming from. And it's just kind of this tension that everyone is just feeling like, okay, whoa, why are we having a concert in the library? And then I'm looking at this man. I realize that he has headphones and they're plugged into his phone. But he actually hadn't plugged them in the whole way. And so he's jamming, thinking it's in his ears, but everyone can hear it. And as I was sitting there, I was like, this is like what conflict is like. Everyone notices there's a problem that the one person that can solve it's not acting. And so somebody just finally says, hey, sir, sir, can you turn that down? And everyone's, oh, wow, it's. We're in the library, like stuff's getting heated now. And and I kind of get I have a nervous giggle. Sometimes I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this is crazy. Like the library, like there's a concert. Somebody just said something and the guy's not doing anything. I'm like, oh, like what's going to happen next? I'm not going to lie. Like I was not moving. I was I was ready to see what was going to happen next. And what I realized is that the man just had no clue that his headphone jack wasn't plugged in. And then finally, like. This was minutes after somebody had said something. I don't even think he heard that. And then finally he just plugs it in. And then all of us are like, okay. And that just shows sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not intentional. But you get this sense of things that are unsettled. And that's just the picture. It's in the library. We have an expectation. We all want something to happen. And something occurs that causes like this ripple effect. And everything was unsettled and nothing was going right. It was just an accident. Sometimes we do things on accident. Sometimes we do things on purpose, but people are impacted by what we do, right? We see that all the time. What we do makes a difference in the lives of other people for good 
or for bad. And so I want to spend the rest of the time looking at, well, what do we need to do to actually experience the right way to handle conflict? Because if you go by like what we did in the library, it was very like passive aggressive. We all kind of wanted to say something, but none of us wanted to say something. And I just wanted to watch the show. Okay, that that can be how we are with conflict. Like, at least I'm not in the center of it, but I get to watch. But in the scriptures, there's actually some specific like steps that we can take to deal with conflict. That's the great thing about the Bible. It highlights what is real about life, and then it shows what you do with what is real. That way we can actually have steps. But if you're like me and you hear like conflict, I kind of go into like the different times when I was growing up. Whether I was younger in school, we learned like conflict management, conflict resolution. If you're at work, they actually, most companies spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on conflict resolution, conflict management training. Has anyone ever been to a conflict management or conflict resolution training at the workplace? Right? They want you to go to that because they know if there is not peace and harmony, there's the workplace full of conflict, you're not going to thrive. The company's going to suffer. And so this is, this is real stuff. So companies throw a lot of money at this. But the reason I bring this up is oftentimes when we talk about conflict, we think through like a training that we've been to. The three-step process. And I have a favorite show called The Office. And every time I think of conflict resolution, I think of this. And so because I think of it, I want you to think of it too. Let's watch it together. A mediator's tool chest. Okay. Well... Before we get started, you should know that there are five different styles of conflict. My Shaolin Temple style defeats your monkey style. Can we go? I have a lot of work to do. No, nope, this is important. Okay, the first style is lose-lose. What's the next one? Just hold on, please. Okay, if we do lose-lose, neither of you gets what you want. Do you understand? You, you would both lose. Now I need to ask you, do you want to pursue a lose-lose negotiation? Can we just skip to whatever number five is, win-win or whatever? Win-win is number four, and number five is win-win-win. The important difference here is with win-win-win, we all win. Me too. I win for having successfully mediated a conflict at work. Win-win-win. But that's kind of how we view like conflict resolution. Okay, what are the steps I have to do so I don't have to deal with this anymore? And at work, oftentimes we approach that because we just don't want to be in a training. Can I stop doing this work so I can get back to my work, right? But in life, like that scenario is is also real. We just get to the point where like, how can I just get around this? And I want to bring this up because right now in, in our in our culture, in our world, Everyone recognizes that conflict and division and problems are real. We're actually at a time in our country where there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of just people trying to figure out how do we solve this issue of us not getting along as people. And what you find is, is that people identify the problem, but very few actually know what the solution is. Oftentimes, and this isn't to pick fault of people, but oftentimes... It's kind of an idea, but it's not really fleshed out. We're supposed to be more loving or we're supposed to be more kind. But it's not really like, well, what does that actually mean? 
And another like video I came across this past week was from the singer Lenny Kravitz. Okay, Lenny Kravitz is a rock and roll singer. Had many hits, and he had a song called "We Want Peace." And the song is just this anthem, which I think represents a lot of the sentiment of us today. Like we want peace, and the the chorus is like, "We want peace at any cost. We want peace. We want peace at any cost." And so he's just talking about kind of what brought about this song. And in this video, and it's a little hard to hear, so I'll kind of summarize it. But in this video, he explains kind of his answer to conflict. And so listen to this, and I'm going to talk about it. Each of us as individuals can affect peace by being beautiful people, you know, by being peaceful people. Charity begins at home. You know, I heard that growing up my whole life, and it's true, you know. So each of us has to represent what it is we're trying to achieve. He said that each of us as individuals can affect peace by being beautiful people. I actually love that idea. But when it comes down to it, what does it mean to be a beautiful person? And how can that affect peace? And then I read James 4, and I realize that actually I'm not like a beautiful person. Now, I don't mean that like on the outside. I also would never say that as well. In fact, I've never said that in my whole life, except for now. But I I don't consider myself a beautiful person outside or inside. Now, I don't mean that I'm scum, but I mean if James 4 is true, then anytime there's conflict and there's quarrels and there's fighting, it's not because I'm not being beautiful. It's because I have things inside of me which are wrong. I've got blocked goals that I really want. And so the issue is not me just being beautiful. The issue is I have to deal with the blocked goals. I have to kind of change my will. I have to change the kind of person that I am. And so by being a beautiful person, I actually don't know how how to do that. The reason I bring that up is it's it's so important to not just have like words that we say, but we need to actually have things that we can do. And so I want to talk a little bit about things that we have to move past to experience real peace. And it kind of comes from strategies and common strategies that we have in the view of conflict, because conflict is the opposite of peace. And so how do we approach conflict sometimes that doesn't actually bring about peace? And there's kind of two main strategies. So here's the two strategies that bring hollow peace, like not real, not sustainable, not actually something that you can measure. It's just an idea. The first is when we approach conflict, we can tend to want to avoid it. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you may be here today and like avoiding conflict is like your M.O. You do that as much as you can. There may be a variety of reasons for that. But if your idea is you want peace and there's conflict, the best way to get out of it is just to avoid it altogether. Okay, avoiding conflict means if, if you're in a relationship and things are not going well. And people are not seeing eye to eye and you are fighting with a person. You have contemplated things like, what if I just kind of drop this relationship altogether? You just kind of took a step back or stepped away from a friendship. Uh, Avoidance is just our way of saying, I I just don't want to deal with it. I can't handle it. I don't want to deal with it. And so I'm just going to move past it so we can drop the relationship. Uh, If you've ever had a problem at work and there's a lot of conflict and you've contemplating I just want to quit and I'm just going to get get a new job. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but 
that's real. I've actually thought that in some old jobs where people like just things were just not going well. That, that thought of like, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit. And just it would be awesome. And it's like, well, what are you going to do for work? I can't quit. <laughs> right. That just happened. That happens a lot. Just in my world, all these things that I think is a great idea. And then it's like, well, how's that going to work? It won't. It will not work. But that's that's this idea. We just want to get out of the workplace. We want to get out of a relationship. Another way we avoid is we just act like there's not a problem at all. I have actually done this quite a lot, too. There's conflicts and you just kind of act like it's not that bad. They didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. No big deal. But what tends to happen when you avoid conflict is it actually doesn't deal with the issues. Things just are underneath the surface. But it's like a volcano just because you can't see it at any point. It can erupt. And that's what happens when you avoid just things underneath the surface or underneath the surface and then it can explode. And so avoiding conflict, that's that's not the answer either. Jesus knows that we have these kind of common responses. And so when he lived his life and he was trying to help people work through conflict and deal with their relationships and kind of point people towards the sweet life, he actually commanded them to act the opposite of these tendencies. So Jesus, he explained that you can't avoid conflict. You actually have to, to go and, and deal with it. He says this in, in Matthew 5. Listen to the, the, the action. So if you're, offering, if you're offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. He's talking to a group of Jews, highly religious people. And he's telling them that if you're worshiping God and they remember that there is a problem in a relationship that you have, the most holy and worshipful thing that you can do at that moment is to stop worshiping God, whether it's singing, whether it's giving, and you go and seek peace with somebody. You seek reconciliation. Decided you stop the very worship of God to take care of something. And what Jesus is saying in that moment is when you actually have conflict and you don't deal with it, your worship with God is, is there's like a block there. There's a wall. And the way you, you actually deal with it is you have to deal with the reality of our relationships. And so what Jesus is saying is you can't avoid, you can't act like it doesn't exist. You can't just kind of stuff it somewhere. Because again, it doesn't go away. It's there and it will just erupt. So Jesus is saying, instead of avoiding, go and make things right. It's a priority he's talking about. So that's just a helpful scripture. This is, again, kind of the counterintuitive. We want to avoid. Jesus says you actually need to, you need to pursue. You need to take initiative. Okay? That's a key step to the sweet life. You can't avoid conflict. A peace with, peace with others, it leads to the sweet life. But again, it's, it's not an idea. It's not just being a good person. Or loving people, it's actually an action. It's something that we have to do. Now, I don't know about you, but I have had people in my life that have avoided conflict, and I've seen really the, the scars of this over time. And what happens over time is people just they they don't deal with things that are wrong, and then over time, over the years, sometimes months, the relationship it it just dies. It gets stale. There's no more life left. And so avoidance doesn't help the relationship. In fact, over time, it, it actually kills it. And so you can't avoid 
conflict. You actually have to deal with it rightly. And so that's what Jesus said. Uh, there's another verse connected to this in Matthew 18:15. Again, kind of hear that the, the activeness of this opposed to the passiveness. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. This is talking about the church again. But if somebody has done something wrong to you, the scripture is saying, don't act like it didn't happen. In fact, the way that you deal with it is in love. You go to the person, you say, there's a problem here. Like you have hurt me or you have done something that that is wrong. But I love you so much. I want our relationship to be good. And so I, I want us to work this out. And so forgiveness can happen. So if you want sweet life, you have to have sweet relationships and sweet relationships come as forgiveness is actually real. Now, this is really helpful. In just this verse, you see that this isn't a a show. This is something that happens between two people in humility. And then at the end, if if your brother hears you, you've gained your brother. It's meaning if, if you work this out, then you now have this this tight bond of a relationship. That God will really use to bless you and the other person. So we can avoid conflict. The other strategy that's hollow towards peace is that we sometimes think that we just need to appease evil. And that is this idea of like peace at all costs. Whatever we need to do to make sure it's peaceful. Now, in my early days as a dad, I can relate to this with young kids. Because there's a part in you as like a parent, especially if you're low on sleep and kids are just kind of going crazy where you're like, whatever I need to do to make you happy, I will do. If that means a cupcake at 730 in the morning, I will go buy it right now. You know, when you're kind of just wanting peace at all costs, you'll do things that actually aren't aren't helpful. That can happen in parenting. It can happen in our friendships. It can happen in our family. But oftentimes people think Jesus was somebody that was peace at all costs. And they use some of his own teaching to kind of prove that point. But I want to give the context of one of the popular scriptures that Jesus taught that actually shows not that he appeased evil, but that he actually humbled himself. And this is in Luke 6. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Jesus is painting a picture of people who love Jesus are willing to sacrifice themselves for others. But this isn't you just ignore evil and you just fight for peace at any cost. Jesus is actually talking specifically when you're in a relationship and the thing that's being harmed is your pride. You go ahead and you humble yourself. Oftentimes, kind of the symbolism of turning your cheek is just this thought of, okay, I, I can fight for what I think I deserve. Or I can, I can let it go in this instance and just humble myself. That is one of the hardest things to do. Because when somebody wrongs us, we actually want them to know. And that's healthy. You can't just be wrong. That's part of appeasing evil. Also, you can't just let people walk all over you. But what Jesus is saying is when all that's being hurt is your pride. Then humble yourself. And God will take care of you. In fact, Jesus modeled this, too, in first Peter two. check out this. This verse it says when he was reviled, he's t- this is talking about Jesus. 
he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges, judges justly. Have you ever gotten to a point where you're trying to do right to somebody and you feel like you can't win? In fact, have you ever said that? I can't win with this person. I've said that. It doesn't matter like your intentions. It doesn't matter how good you're trying to do. It's just not going right. What Jesus is saying is there's just a point in which you can't spend your life trying to get back at people for what they've done to you. You'll not have a sweet life. It'll be miserable. Because that doesn't deal with the damage that you've experienced. It doesn't deal with the hurt. It doesn't deal with the pain. But what Jesus is saying is if you entrust yourself to God, if you recognize that you can't fix your own problems, you can't fix the other people in your life, if you get to the point where you can surrender to God and say, God, I trust you to make things right for the things that I've done, and I trust you to make things right for the things done to me, that's what faith is. I'm not going to spend my life trying to fix all the things done to me and fix all the things I've done, but I'm going to entrust myself to the one who will take care of me. And so Jesus isn't saying peace at all costs. He's saying if you humble yourself and you trust God, he will take care of you. And so both of those we have to watch out for, avoiding conflict, appeasing evil. Then in the scriptures, we also get the picture of them. Then what are we supposed to do if that doesn't work? Then then what are we supposed to do? Well, the sweet life grows when we pursue peace. It's not by avoiding conflict. It's not by appeasing evil, but it's by actually pursuing peace. Psalm 34. This has just really challenged me recently. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? It's basically the psalmist is saying, like, do you want a good life? Do you want things to go well? Do you want to find success? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. So be careful what you're saying. Watch your tongue. Watch your words. Don't try to deceive people. Don't come against people. And then he goes on, turn away from evil and do good and then seek peace and pursue it. So seek peace and pursue it. Christ followers realize once they decide to follow Jesus, that seeking peace and pursuing it is a big part of the life that we're supposed to live. It means that we are going to clear up relationships It means that we're going to put other people in front of us. We don't do that because we're special. We don't do that because we have it all together. We do that because that is the life that Jesus lived. And when we decide to follow him, we get the Holy Spirit, which is God in us, giving us power to actually deny ourselves. And so we can seek peace and pursue it because God gives us the strength to do it. We can't fix ourselves. That's what a Christian is. You realize you can't fix yourself. You can't fix your situation. You need God to allow you to be changed on the inside, to make different choices over time, to develop different reflexes where you can get to the point where you don't have to deceive. You don't have to speak wrongly, but you can actually seek peace and pursue it. So I want to talk about what this looks like uh, in our relationships. Now, 
Again, if you get to the point where you can't win, there may be a relationship that you have that you actually can't seem to get over the conflict. And in the scriptures, you actually can't control what other people do. That's just a reality of life. But in Romans 12, it says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. There might be some people that you cannot be at peace with. But that needs to be their choice, not yours. Because in the scriptures, as long as it depends on me, I'm going to do all I can to make it right. Again, it can't be peace at all costs. Because if you force somebody to be at peace with you, then there's conflict. Because you can't force anyone to do anything. But as long as it depends on you, you can. So there's still going to be problems. There still will be friction. But our goal is to live at peaceably with all as long as it depends on us. So how, how do we do it? So I want to just get practical with you in your relationships, whether it's your family life, uh, whether it's your workplace, whether it's with roommates, whether it's with friends, spouses, kids, siblings, whatever it is. Here's some just practical steps that you can seek peace and pursue it. First is stop arguing. An argument is where two people are trying to make points and most of the time they're different. And that's where an argument is. I want this this way or I see it this way. You want this and you see it this way. And did you know it's actually really hard to continue an argument without two people? Isn't that just so profound? Because an argument without two is just somebody talking to themselves. Right. But the scriptures say this, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. The Proverbs use kind of these these word pictures. But oftentimes we can approach like conflict, like you have a glass of water. And when you're arguing, it's like little nails that are just kind of on the glass. Like, tink, I just said something that I really wanted to say because I'm so mad at you. And you said that and that hurt me and I'm going to hurt you. Tink. And we just think like, wow, we're just kind of jabbing each other and saying these things. And then you get to the point where the nail strikes just right, the right force, and the glass begins to shatter and the water begins to come out. At that moment, can you do really anything to allow the water to stay in? No, it's, it's out and it's gone and you can't put the water back in there. So the way that you deal with arguing is you actually stop. And I don't know about you, but I grew up like in an argument. The goal is winning. Anyone else like in a conflict? Like the goal wasn't stopping because that's not an argument. The goal is winning. And so I was the classic say the last word. And so when people would say, well, you just want to say the last word, I'd say, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. I don't think so. See, you're doing it right now. Maybe. And that's, that's how I rolled. And my sisters, to this day, they, they love me. That's by the grace of God. And my parents, by the grace of God. But I, I wanted to win. I wanted to say the last word. But the way you do it is you, you just stop arguing. Proverbs 12:16. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. So if somebody said something to you, and you have a rebuttal and you want to defend yourself, sometimes as that's just boiling within you like, oh, no, you didn't just say that, right? You just that, 
I can't believe you just said that. And you're just thinking of, okay, do I do it in the next 30 seconds? Do I do it in a minute? But I'm just going to unload. The scripture is saying it's just the wise person, the person that understands how relationships work, is there's just times where you ignore an insult. See, being a beautiful person, what does that mean? Ignoring an insult? Uh-oh. What? That doesn't seem that beautiful to me. That seems like you've lost. But again, conflict isn't measured by winning or losing. It's measured by doing what's right. And so stop arguing. Now, if that hasn't kind of challenged you yet, this second one, this one gets to me. In conflict, in a fight, in a quarrel, however you want to say it, look at your part of the problem. That's the second thing. Look at your part of the problem. I know in my own life, as I'm in a conflict with somebody, I have a percentage that I've determined is their fault and a percentage that I've determined is my fault. And most of the time, if you'd have to guess, which percentage usually has the most fault? Any guesses? Them. Sometimes it's 90-10, They still have the majority. Right? But everyone does this. We have like our percentage where it's them, our percentage where it's us. But we are usually very favorable to our own percentages. What the scriptures say is actually look at your part of the problem. Matthew 7, this is like a funny scripture that Jesus again uses to make a point. You may have heard this before, but it says, When you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye, or how you can say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. When there is a log in your own eye, you, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. A few years ago, I spoke about this passage, and I just decided, like, what if I actually just showed what this would look like, and I had this, like, plank that I just held outside my eye, and I'm not doing that today, but that's usually how conflict is. We tend to look at all the little things that people have done, and are doing, and we have this tree hanging out of our eye, and we're just whacking people with, whoa, you are messed up, what's wrong with you? And they're like, psh, psh. and they get like, really? But that's so easy. We just see the problems in others, and we don't see it in us. So scripture is saying, deal with the log, deal with the tree, deal with the plank, look at your part of the problem. Then the last way to promote peace and to seek it and to pursue it is to listen. And I'm not going to read the scripture in James. It gives like a three-step kind of process for how you deal with conflict. And it is to listen. It's to not be angry. And it's to quick to listen. Now I can't remember what it is. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Oh, it is up there. Slow to speak and slow to anger. So you listen, you be quiet, and you just don't let the blood boil. Oftentimes in an argument, we don't want to listen. Because as they're building their case or they're saying what's wrong, we are like a law- we're all like lawyers inside when it comes to conflict. Like, well, I see that point and here's my rebuttal. And I see that, but I'm going to motion that we dismiss that. Right. That's how we approach it. But James is saying you got to listen. 
not talk, and not become angry. That's the key to seeking peace and pursuing. Here's just some questions that help me listen, okay? Uh, These aren't on the screen, but you, you can write these down. As you're listening to somebody, these are three questions. Where are they coming from? Okay. Where are they coming from? What are they going through? So where are they coming from? What are they going through? Where are they coming from? What are they going through? Like what's going on inside of them right now? What's happening to them? What are their circumstances? And then how can I relate to where they are? Which is how can I see things from their perspective? And the only way you can do that is you've got to know where they're coming from, what's going on with them. And then you ask God to help you see things from their perspective. That's how you listen. That's active listening. What are they going through? Where are they coming from? And then how can I see things from their perspective? So I've just given you kind of some practical things that you can do to seek peace, to pursue it. It's beyond just being good or loving people. This is like specific. Now, this is how you love. But I encourage you, if you want the sweet life and you want peace and harmony, you cannot change you. Your parents cannot change you. Your professors cannot change you. Your pastor, your church cannot change you. You cannot change you. Change only comes as you decide that Jesus is the only one where I can experience this peace and this harmony. He is the only one that can change me. We're going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to ask Ben to come up, and he's going to lead us uh, instrumentally. And usually each Sunday, um, you, there's, some next, there's some next steps. Is that me? That's what conflict's like, you know, right? It's all going to be That scared me a little bit. But I'm not going to avoid it. I'm going to stay right here. Um, Ben's going to just play some music. And I actually want you to think through your own next steps based on the relationships that you have in your life. I don't know the state of them. I don't know what's going on with them. But I have some questions up here that you can pray and think through your relationships. And we're going to do that right now. Uh, If I'm in conflict, what would God want me to do to make peace? Is it to stop arguing? Is it to listen? Or is it to look at my part of the problem? So just think through, is there any conflict in your life right now? And is there just one of these that you need to do? So just kind of think about that. And if you're not yet a follower of Christ, just think about that. And if you've never prayed, you could pray and just ask God, God, is there anything I'm doing right now? And see, see if he shows you. God, God can do that. And then I think there's another question up here. Is there a relationship that needs to be cleared up? Is there something that, you know, there's just some friction? There's a problem. So is there a relationship that needs to be cleared up? And then the third part is when can you do that? And I just want you to kind of pray, ask God to show you anything. And we don't reflect much in our world. We go into our cars, we listen to music. We go walking, we're listening to music. We're talking with people. We're inundated with social media and noise most of the time. I just want to give you just a little bit of time to just think and reflect on these questions. 
If something comes to your mind and you want to take a next step, you can write that on that connection card. And what I'd love to do this week is I'd like to pray for you to take that next step. So if you fill out your connection card and if something comes to mind, you want to write it on there, they're blank, then I I will pray for you uh, this week as you take it. So I'm going to wrap us up in prayer and then I encourage you to to think that through and then Ben's going to close out the service. Let's pray. God, as we take a moment to uh, reflect, I, I pray that you'll speak to us. And that you'll deal with uh, us where we are and pray against distraction. And I pray against the enemy in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask God that that we'll have just a real clear idea of of how to seek peace and pursue it in our own relationships. So in just the next few uh, few minutes, I I pray that that nothing will hinder uh, you from speaking to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.